It's uh, 2 a.m. in California on a Sunday morning, wee hours of the morning, the wee hours of the morning historically. Seriously look up how uh, people in the Middle Ages got laid. It was pretty much at 2 in the morning. Lest anybody see their sins. (laughs) Picture Jesus wearing a Dom outfit going, you've done some very bad sins. I was drinking a little cup of coffee because I woke up at midnight. And I woke up at midnight because I fell asleep in the afternoon. I fell asleep in the afternoon after work because my sleeping schedule is very fucked. <laughs> it's a short life. Um, but I'm up. I'm up. I'm awake, and there's nothing any of you can fucking do about it. Try me. Just try and make me go night-night. You can't do it. It can't be done. I slept enough. I got adequate sleep. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like in 2021, the biggest fleck that you can throw on anybody is literally that. Someone could come up to you and be like, I won a million dollars from the lottery. I won a multi-million dollar investment from real estate. It's like, oh, I just made a cool 20 million in the stock markets. I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds nice. That sounds nice. I got adequate sleep last night. Like, what the fuck? It's like that, y'all. Oh my god, she did what? I haven't known good sleep in a thousand years. I'm like, when was the last time any of us felt anything? <laughs> it's honestly so hard to get really good sleep these days. <laughs> I was listening to um. So I don't know if anybody has watched uh, Bo Burnham's new special that's out on Netflix. It's called Inside. Because yes, he has a new one. He has another one. It just came out. He was recording it all last year. He did it. He did it for us. And clearly had several mental breakdowns along the way. I feel for him. I really do. (laughs) Even though I'd still laughed at several points. I don't think it's humor anybody above a certain age is going to understand. It's, like, very internet-based. I mean, that's where Bo Burnham's career got started was internet. I first got into him when I was in my early 20s. He's about three years younger than me. Um, So when he was a teenager goofing around on YouTube, I was in my very early 20s, like, 19, 20 years old. Um, And me and my brother got really into his uh, YouTube channel, you know, starting from the days when he was, he uh, uploaded that song about the Rehabilitational Center for uh, fictional, is it fictional creatures? Fictional characters? My brother's favorite song by him is called The Clan Cookout, which doesn't, uh, (laughs) that doesn't translate so well in the modern day, but we we still laugh at it from time to time because I I felt it was really tongue-in-cheek. Even though I think with the plate around the wrong crowd, it just sounds really aggressive. I'm pretty sure he only meant that one as a joke, even if it was in very poor taste. My brother and I liked it. But there's a song that he sings in the middle of it that I kind of, um, admittedly, I kind of dismissed it on the first listen. I I won't lie to you. If I had been forced to listen to this song over and over again, I would have dismissed it almost all the time. Uh, Although on the second listen, I realized that the song was about, um, or it seems to me, what I read from it was, uh, I got a sense that the song was kind of written about um, episodes of dissociation, like dissociative episodes. Like, you're just just vibing. You're just alive and you're conscious of whatever is going on, at least in your microcosm, and you're going about your life and your day and... You feel of a pretty neutral mood and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden something will happen. You'll read something in the news or you'll witness an event that just really takes you out of it. Really takes you out of your life, really takes you out of, you know, the peace and neutrality you might feel in your tiny world. And really confronts you with the fact that there's a lot more going on outside of your microcosm in the macrocosm. (laughs) You know, stuff that will probably directly affect you. Stuff that may never, ever touch your life, but that still managed to touch your heart. Still managed to scar your mind. And there it is again, that funny feeling. That's the name of the song. Well, a friend of mine on Facebook posted a cover that 
Ethan Nestor, another YouTuber, did um, of that song. Well, I don't know if I can call it an accurate cover. He called it a rewrite. I know a thing or two about those. Where basically he took the, the chordal arrangement. He took the melody that Bo Burnham originally wrote. And he took the chorus. Bo Burnham's original uh, chorus. And he, Ethan Nestor, he added his own lyrics to the verses. Uh, or he created his own lyrics for the nurse for the verses to uh, to describe his own feelings of just like intermittent panic attacks and anxiety. Because Bo Burnham's original version of Funny Feeling was a little bit more about experiencing dissociative episodes and occasional attacks and bouts of anxiety. I felt like Ethan Nasser's was a little more hammered in on the on the idea of just generalized anxiety. And he was his lyrics were extremely poignant about it too. I just I think that that YouTube user, that guy Ethan Esther, has a has a real way of whether he means to or not, and he has a really legitimate way of just reaching into people's hearts and twisting them a little bit. I think he's very much a human being. You look at them and you just want to take care of them. I, I don't mean like necessarily sexually, although that too, for me at least, you know. But that's just me. Um, I I feel like a real a real sense of like oh please adopt me even though he's not ever saying that he's never said anything remotely like you know please take care of me but he meant that sense of like people look at him and they just want to adopt him they just want to feed him and cuddle him and love him for the rest of their life it's a very like abominable snowman feeling from like the old looney tunes cartoons if you've ever watched those cartoons the way he like picks up bugs bunny and he's just like i will love him and feed him and call him george Speaking of which, it took me until I was in high school to realize that the Abominable Snowman character was written as a reference to um, the, the probably some range of autistic uh, character from Of Mice and Men. <laughs> and I remember seeing so many so many literary memes <laughs> being imbued into the original shows but I didn't realize I didn't see them for what they were when I was a kid there were a lot of references to life going on in the early 1900s imbued into those old cartoons I'm still not aware of all of the references but I'm I'm, I'm learning about more and more each day that I'm permitted to live because <laughs> I'm still here I'm still alive not all of us are so lucky some of us don't get to grow old it's probably the second or the third reference to Hamilton I've made this entire fucking podcast podcast long podcast fucking mouth won't cooperate with me if I could hold a gun to my listeners just be like all I need is your cooperation my mouth would still be like, all I need is your caparution. Like, I'm going to die. My mouth is dead. <laughs> I'm going to kill my mouth. I could totally discuss my anger problems, my Napoleon complex. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to do the work today. I don't really want to do the work today. Yeah, I don't really want to do the work today. I don't want to do the work today. How many internet jokes can I fit into one podcast? I'll try. I'll try to find the answer. But I'm not going to go looking for it. <sighs> I actually feel pretty, pretty at peace right about now. Probably due to the combination of excellent sleep that I got paired with the good cry that I had about about an hour ago I was thinking about that song that that funny feeling song by uh, originally by Bonham Bo Burnham but especially that that rewrite by uh, Ethan Nestor who did a cover of it on the ukulele go look it up if you have the chance um and I just, even though I really felt for Ethan, it kind of made me think about, um, it made me think about a conversation I had with a friend many, many years ago, when I was about 
25 and she was about 18, maybe 17, straight out of high school, went straight to college. She wanted to be, well, she was studying digital arts and animation at the college that we went to together. Um, I was a sound student. She was an animation student. Her name was Ashley Santiago. She was one of the sweetest, kindest, warmest, one of the most generous people I ever met in my entire life. I started telling people, I know two angels on God's green earth, and their names are Ashley and Miriam. Now, lucky for my psyche, my very delicate psyche, uh, my friend Miriam is still around. But um, about two years ago now, it was two years ago, that Ashley Santiago was trying to drive home from a shift on a Sunday afternoon. And at the same time, this wealthy, drunk asshole was so rich that he could afford to buy himself a sports car but was too poor to afford a taxi or to afford a goddamn mover or lift and he decided that he was going to take his very expensive car for a very drunk drive down the opposite lane of where my friend was heading to try and get home and she never made it now that guy is still alive he survived the accident that he caused and he was flown to a hospital then immediately fled the law. His lawyers are still trying to get my deceased friend's parents to find proof that their daughter's life even mattered, that people even remotely cared about her. I went to her funeral two years ago. I mentioned it in the previous podcast that I had um come back from a funeral it was Ashley's funeral that I had gone to there was like over 200 people there maybe over 700 I don't even remember the final head count of like everyone who went but it was people from every stage of her life kids she went to to high school with dear friends of hers elementary school teachers high school teachers college professors There was 20 of us, at least, just from college alone. And we couldn't even get everyone from college who went to show up in one photograph because some people had left by then. But we took a, a big old group photo because she touched so many people's lives, man. It was like every every cheerleading troupe she had ever taught and there were several of them. So there's all these little middle school girls who lost their coach. And this was probably the first human being that they cared about, that they experienced losing. Ashley Santiago was loved. And it's weird for me to say that she was loved as if from the moment she died, everyone who ever cared about her just instantly stopped caring. No. Ashley Santiago is still loved today. I still love her. (laughs) It's been two years that she's gone and I still love her. And I'm not the only one. I wasn't even her closest friend. I could go on and on about all of my dearly beloved friends' qualities lost to us with her passing, but I could never properly evoke her spirit and the warmth of her kindness in words. I rarely ever saw that girl without a smile on her face, ready even to greet perfect strangers. One of the rare times I saw her not smiling was when we were having a conversation once in a car where 
She was wondering aloud to me if people even cared about her or if people could ever even truly love her. She wondered if she was even loved. I think that that's a really common and relatable feeling that a lot of us have is we wonder if we matter to people. We wonder if we're truly loved and what that would even mean for us. But I told her, I think you are far more loved and the people care about you far more than you will ever comprehend in your lifetime. And she was loved. And she will be loved. And she is still loved today. It breaks my heart when I think that maybe it didn't quite sink in before she was 24, before she died, that she was so cherished. And that she is still so cherished to this day. But I also think that it's a really... A really relatable feeling and a thought to wonder, you know, what our place in the universe is, to wonder, you know, what our place is in the lives of the people who care about us. Because for me, Ashley Santiago was a particularly cherished uh, college buddy <laughs> and one of the kindest people I'd ever met in my life. And I will forever be grateful to her for the kindness she showed me and the kindness that I saw that she showed everyone else. I will always appreciate her and I will always love her for that. And I will always like her for that. But um, I see a common thread and it comes up in that song, um, funny feeling originally by Bo Burnham that that sense of wondering what any of it is all for if people even actually care do we even have the right to be cared about I think you do I think that humans matter to each other at the very least and I think that we definitely make impacts on other living creatures as well as each other and that we also lack the ability to see the ways we are going to impact people or society or other animals, you know, even a thousand years from now. We don't really have the ability to see that on our own because we don't really see in hindsight <laughs> or with foresight, you know, as the case might be. We don't see in hindsight from the past, we see it from the future. And foresight, it's not a skill. It's not an ability. It's an aspiration, an impossible dream. Some people would just call it common sense. <laughs> I would call it, you know, a certain sense of logic, but... There is such a thing as a perverse effect. You know, you intend for one thing to happen and something completely opposite to your intentions may occur instead. I was reading a story about how um, ages ago during the colonial eras in India, um, because British people were really not fond of snakes, and there are so many snakes in India, especially cobras, um, I guess the monarchy put out a hit on all the cobras in the area. They, they put out a bounty going, you know, if you bring us these snakes dead, we will pay you. Indian people, being brilliant people, <laughs> were like, so if all, all you're saying is we have to bring you a dead snake, you didn't say that we weren't allowed to farm these bitches. <laughs> Which makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> And so Indian people started capturing and breeding the snakes so that they could, you know, kill them, you know, farm them, kill them, get the bounty, get the money. And even more snakes ended up being released into the wild, um, partly as a result 
And so the monarchy was like, you know what? Fuck this. We're not, we're not paying people to kill the snakes anymore. So they seized the bounty. And the farmers were like, well, there's no need to keep all these snakes anymore. And so they released the snakes. The whole point of this bounty was to try and result in less snakes in the wild. And they ended up with more snakes in the wild. There's a, a more recent modern tie into that where um, e-cigarettes were first invented as a way to help people who are smokers stop smoking. And now vapes are really common among youth all over the world teen smoking has gone up okay <laughs> someone's having a hell of a party at like 3 in the morning <clears throat> and they're still having a party they're having a party right outside of my house what the fuck why didn't they invite me I have fear of missing out. You better invite me, fool. Okay, the thumping stopped. <laughs> Completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so easily distracted. Uh, yeah, but e-cigarettes were invented to curb teen smoking, and now more teens are smoking. We already had, like, really low numbers for teen smoking. I think it was, like, less than 15%, and now it's up to, like, 40 or something. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's risen. It's, like, more than doubled since then. <sighs> and that's the perverse effect. You know, we we can have our good intentions and put those out in the world, we can accidentally create something evil. You know, we can have bad intentions, put that out in the world, and accidentally create something good. We don't really have a whole lot of control, or any control, either over how we're going to be perceived after we die, or over our actions while we were alive. my feeling and my thought on that is like just do the best you can do everything and anything that you can you know you can work with good intention and maybe it'll have a negative effect in the future but also just do anything that brings you some joy in this world make you happy because it's a short life if you're wondering about your place in the world, I don't think you have the ability to see how you're going to matter to people or how you have the ability to matter to people in the future. You know, you could do something that you think is really boring now and a thousand years from now, someone's going to find you very interesting. <laughs> Even if it's just in a necrophiliac sense. You know, someone... I was reading about about how archaeologists are really fond of people that might we might have considered really dull because they'll write about anything and everything, all the small things that happen in their life. You know, maybe it was a person who who really liked putting a bunch of different spices in their breakfast because that's just who they were. Maybe some of those spices don't exist today. And archaeologists learn about the spices that existed back then through this very boring person's writing. And that boring person is suddenly not so fucking boring, are they? I, I was reading a story in the last three or four years. It was a pretty recent story about a young Scandinavian girl, probably somewhere between the ages of like 14 and 19. She was very young, who disappeared, trapped, lost in the ice the ice crusts of Scandinavia, with global warming, her body was finally found a thousand years later. And this girl had this body art, these body modification tattoos all over her body of like deer and all these things and animals you find in the wild. They were really beautiful tattoos. And it proved to archaeologists that human beings have been into body modification for a very long time as a style choice. Uh, and that even girls got them. So, 
I wondered when I read that story, if that girl ever wondered, you know, what she mattered to people and what her place in the universe was, or if anybody was ever going to care about her. And a thousand years later, someone certainly did. <laughs> the writer who wrote about the story certainly cared about her. The archaeologists who, disco- who, made, who discovered her body certainly cared about her. And I kind of applied it to a modern day of like, I wonder if people alive today who ask themselves these questions ever think to themselves how they might matter to people a thousand years from now. How can you predict for being loved long after you die? When Edgar Allan Poe died, he died penniless. And he's one of our most revered poets today. Like, I don't think that... I don't want to say that I don't think people should feel this way. It's more like, I kind of wish more people would think about that when they get into these headspaces of like, nothing I do matters. Nothing I do is important. I'm really boring. I'm really dull. I was like, someone's going to find you interesting someday, buddy. I have very high hopes. I am extremely optimistic. It makes me personally feel better to think that I have no control over how I'm going to be perceived long after I die, and that I'm probably going to matter a whole awful lot to somebody. I'm making these podcasts, and I mean, I I didn't want to make podcasts for years. One of the first times I ever heard someone tell me that I should make a podcast was when I was about 25 or so years old. Um, maybe 26. So this is going back seven some odd years. And uh, there was a professor in college who was like, you should be a radio DJ. And I was like, nah, 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 fam. Have you heard the kind of words that come out of my mouth? I curse on the daily. <laughs> I curse every other freaking minute. I, I can't do clean radio. I, yes, you see, it would be up my ass so fucking hard and so deep. I might actually call him daddy. <laughs> I don't even have a daddy fetish. (laughs) It would not be hot, but I'd still find a way to make it sexy. (laughs) No, I couldn't. I thought to myself, I couldn't do that. Well, there were other more practical reasons for it, too. I didn't have a phone with a recording option that could upload podcasts to the internet. I didn't have that. I got that now, but I didn't have that back then. I didn't have um, an outlet that seemed intuitive for me to use back then. It was Back then, podcasts were still primarily on, like, freaking Apple. I'm a diehard Android kind of a girl. Oh, we gonna flag the fuck out of that. Or maybe not. I couldn't have gotten the equipment together along with the gumption to do it. I also thought to myself, what the hell would I even make a podcast about? I don't I don't really do scripts. Like, I've tried to do scripts, and it never feels intuitive or natural for me. Because I can do some pretty okay impressions of, like, an anchor newscaster. And that's a lot of fun for about one minute. But after a while... That perception, that feeling of being so inauthentic really grinds my gears. It really rustles my jimmies. It it really makes me feel severely uncomfortable to be false to myself and false to others in a way that doesn't make me feel comfortable. You know, it's kind of like that feeling you get when you go into an interview and you're like, yes, this is the best of myself that I can present for about 10 minutes and afterwards <laughs> I gotta unleash the cork and let all the fuck fall out I, this is about the longest I can go without cursing <laughs> you know even at my job which is technically a customer service oriented job when you really think about it uh, I can deal well with talking to people for short periods of time which I say that and it's like 31 minutes into the podcast <laughs> Um, we're about a half an hour into this and I'm like, yeah, sure. I can't talk for very long. 
I, I can talk to people for short periods of time. I can greet them. I can say hello, ask them about their day. I can send them on their way and pray to God they don't get into an accident. That's the whole reason I tell my drivers, you know, drive safely home because somebody loves them. I don't add the because somebody loves them. That part's implied, but I tell them drive safely. And it probably sounds like I'm admonishing them. They're probably like, don't tell me what to do. There's a hi, goodbye, drive safely. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> I'm sure some of the drivers probably think that sometimes. I also like to imagine that all of the drivers at my job have families who care about them and people that love them that would surely like to see them come safely home so that they can live another day. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been in the security service industry for about five years now, give or take. And um, I've had drivers die. I've had drivers die on me in five years. You know, some through no fault of their own. You know, some stupid cut out in front of them and didn't leave enough space and then slammed the brakes. Not understanding that large freight trucks don't have the ability to stop on a dime the way that teeny tiny compact cars can do it. And they died. And they died. You know, those drivers never got to see their families again. Those drivers never got to see the coworker, their coworkers again. Because someone acted rash. So, that's my tiny form of a prayer. Every time I see my drivers off, have a nice day, drive safely home. Because I want them to see their families again. <laughs> Even though I imbue my well wishes into my very short interactions, I'm really not very great... <laughs> And upholding a conversation. I tend to prefer to listen and I let people talk to me. Some might think at me. I do my best to listen. The human mind can only pay attention to one person for so long. I'm kind of surprised that anybody listens to these podcasts more than 10 minutes in. <laughs> but uh, if it grants you anything... I would hope it would be a new perspective on life and to realize that you are so much more loved and you will be so much more appreciated than you could ever possibly imagine. And that's just the, that's just the truth. And you could say, you know, oh, that's, no, it's not. That's not true. No one's ever going to care about me. No one's ever going to love me. I don't have any friends. And I could say, are you calling me a liar? Because them's fighting words. <laughs> I will fight you. I will beat you up. <laughs> I had a passing thought and then it went and fucking escaped from me. This is what you get when you make a show about a stream of consciousness. It must have been something a little bit happier. I wonder what it could have been. There it is again, that funny feeling. Mm -hmm, there it is again, that funny feeling. That funny feeling. That is catchy as shit, man. I feel like it was some weird news article. I'm always talking about the news. Because it's what I'm always reading, man. You think I got novels on the daily to peruse? <laughs> I'm lucky I finished the last novel I started reading. I started reading it back in March. I didn't finish it until June. <laughs> you think I have a minute to just stay at home and just read <laughs> Read novels? Well, not physical novels, although those are my favorites. But I will get obsessed from time to time with, like, web novels. <laughs> I guess that's something silly I could talk about. <laughs> There's, um... So so here's kind of a, a weird story here. A really weird story. Not that weird, I guess. But about two, maybe three years ago, it was about... The last year of my my failed my last failed relationship, um, 
around maybe even that January or something, I started reading a webcomic that appeared on um, Webtoons. If you're really into reading comic books um, or any kind of comic media, um, the Webtoon app is um, just loaded with original works from people from all around the world. You know, even as disparate nations as like Malaysia and Korea, it's such interesting stories that you can find on there. A lot of love and romance, of course, because these are human emotions. It's just like a bunch of random stuff, too. And I've been reading a lot of period comics lately um, that are based on um, some kind of nobility or interactions with um, very wealthy, <laughs> high caste people who have all these weird little social rules imposed on them, this etiquette. And there's one in particular that really took over my mind was called The Remarried Empress. And I ended up uh, really heavily relating to the main character, Empress Navir, for a couple of reasons. I really appreciated... <laughs> I really appreciated that in particular. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of people busy at like two in the morning. I really appreciated Empress Navir's uh, sort of childlike innocence when it comes to wild animals and her general sweetness with people and her sincerity uh, with people that she's very close to. And I liked her sense of humor too. I think she's really funny. She's really good at playing a straight man. Um, and I love her sarcasm too and her wit. But uh, I also really appreciated about her and I really related to this the sense of composure that she upholds and the sort of straight face she maintains. Because for me, I'm the type of person who could laugh at a funeral. <laughs> um, and we might have really different ideas about what, what describes and perfectly emulates a sense of composure. But for me, that's mine, is to just hide my feelings of sadness as much as as much as I can and for as long as I can. Um, because depression's not sexy. <laughs> it can be hilarious, but it's not sexy. <laughs> and for Empress Navir, well, there are reasons to, to sort of keep her composure at all senses. You know, she's, she's the matriarchal half of a monarchy and a society that's patriarch patriarchally uh, based. It's a patriarchy. Um, so, like, if she seems happy, she'll seem like she's very flighty. And if she seems sad or angry, she'll seem like she's out of control and wouldn't be a good leader if she ever loses her composure. It's just all this bullshit stress and all these double standards. And because she was a crown princess... You know, she had all of this imposed on her from a very, very early age to the point where, you know, she's probably a woman in her mid-twenties by the time the story starts. And um, she's been trained since she was like probably seven years old to be this perfect ruler of a nation. But the title is Remarried Empress. Well, that's because from the very first episode, she's getting divorced. <laughs> You know, it wasn't her idea. <laughs> it was imposed on her by her shitty-ass husband, the emperor of the nation, who was leaving her for his shitty-ass concubine. Oh, but she turns the tables. She turns the tables real quick in the first episode because she gets remarried by the end of that first episode, you thought. You're probably thinking. This is the plot? <laughs> it's titled The Remarried Empress... And we're already seeing the plot that this is this is what happens. That was fast. We're done. I was like, no, 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 bud. We're not, we're not, this isn't over yet. How did we get here? <laughs> and then that's the comic. Because it shows not only how you got there, it actually moves at some point past it. And the comics are just in the point where they're moved past how you got to that moment. I really invite you to read it if you like a human drama and anything period-based you know, regarding, like, nobility and society and their etiquette orders. If you were really into Bridgerton, you'd probably be really into 
the remarried empress? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> um, but it's just... <laughs> I found out about so many chapters, like so many tens of chapters into reading the comic, I found out because somebody fucked all the way up in the comments. And they were like, ooh... The author of the comic doesn't want to let us know and doesn't want us to read ahead. I was like, read ahead? Why would you say read ahead as if maybe this this comic existed first in novel form? And then I got taken by that idea and I was like, what if it does exist in novel form? Here's the thing. I like spoilers. I love hearing about what's going to happen in the future because I cannot stand to sit down usually and engage in any kind of media like TV or movies or shows. Um... I just want to know so I can forget about it <laughs> or think about it later. I'm not that interested <laughs> uh, and I'm not that interesting either. <laughs> um, so I really like spoilers, but I, I was, I am really invested in this story. And I was like, there's a chance I could like skip ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead. Uh, and there is, it turns out, it turns out that the remarried Empress comic is based on a web novel that's been going on for years. For years since before the comic started up. And was well past the marriage scene and what happens afterwards. Um, I guess not too far past what happens afterwards, but it was past it. And that was probably like almost 60 chapters in advance of where I was at in the comics. I was like, well, 60 comic chapters before where I was in the comics. I was like, Jimmy's rustled. I got to find out. Let's go. And so I read ahead and uh, I've been really excited. I've like, I have two apps, two tabs open in my phone browser history as we speak. One of them is me rereading what happens in the novel at the same time as, you know, the newest chapter of the comic that gets released. So I can kind of compare and contrast notes of like all the little changes that they did, all the artistic license taken, because uh, it just fascinates me. And sometimes there's like little details I'm working, I'm looking for, because there's little details that even the comic kind of fails to pick up, or it expresses them in such a subtle manner that it went totally over my head the first few times that I read the comics. Um, and so when I reread, I reread them in the novel. I was like, oh, that's why people looked like that. That was what that expression was supposed to be. Or, oh, that's what that physical motion was all about. Or, oh, that's what was going on there. Um, so it, they both, both worked in form each other, even though they are the same work in principle. Does that make sense? And there's a, a sort of a symbiotic relationship going on. So that's the first tab. The first tab is, you know, whatever the pr most present page is, of the webcomic. Now the second tab is the most recent chapter, whatever the most recent chapters are of the Remarried Empress, because I love rereading them and getting the spoilers and looking for stuff to look ahead of, because I am a pervert and you are a pervert. And what is it that happens when people get married? Wedding night! <laughs> so I'm like, yes, give me porn. I want to see this. And I have wanted the prin the Empress to get laid son I like I my soul my very perverted soul needs it I'm just like yes now kiss hmm. <laughs> now kiss <laughs> it's something simultaneously so childish and so perverted <laughs> but it's something that really speaks to my soul <laughs> distantly related to that concept of that joke um Beyond the idea of, like, Mike Tyson forcing two pigeons to kiss each other and just being, now kith. <laughs> Which is what I envision in my head when I hear that phrase. Is Mike Tyson forcing two little pigeon heads together going, now kith. <laughs> There's, um, a YouTuber, I guess they're another duo, and I'm really fond of them. Um, they go by Overly Sarcastic Productions. I think it's all one word. But Overly Sarcastic Productions, or OSP for short, and they primarily engage in in um, talking about mythology because I think one of them is a student in college who studies mythology and like ancient cultures in general. And the other one studies um, Western 
um, civilizations in history. Um, so they're both friends who go by the names Red and Blue. And Blue is the history major and uh, Red is the mythology major. And together they let their powers combine to give, you know, some nuanced, almost mini lessons and lectures on uh, <laughs> on some shit that was going on, you know, way back in the ancient worlds all across the world. You know, what they've learned in school and um, <laughs> they have a lot of fun with it. I have a lot of fun with it. Red is an artist and she draws um, cute little characters or characterizations of historical figures and of mythological characters. Uh, and she keeps them consistent from video to video as, you know, they keep talking about them as they pertain to culture uh, and civilizations. But <laughs> Red is so fucking funny and witty. I love her to death. She made this drawing of the goddess, the Greek goddess Aphrodite. <laughs> she made this drawing, Red made this drawing of the Greek goddess Aphrodite, forcing two people together going, now kiss. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a perfect reference. I love that deep cut. <laughs> I love her wit in general. It got to the point where I even bought one of their, one of their merch shirts based on a, a joke that Red had made. Something along the lines of, because I just, I've always really loved moon goddesses across every culture. You know, I ran with Diana slash Artemis as a child. When I found out about Shaga, um, her, her stories really took my imagination in my twenties and thirties. Uh, and I love trying to depict Shaga, even though I really suck at depicting traditional Chinese dresses because I'm just not that adequate of an artist. Uh, but I love trying to depict Shanga, you know, even though I'm not Chinese, I still love her story. Uh, and I love mythologies and stories about Greek, uh, or lunar goddesses in general, you know, princess, I almost called her Kushinata. Um, fuck, not Kagome. What's her fucking name? The Japanese princess of the moon. Um, Really, right now is when I'm blanking on that. Not Kushinara. Not Kagome. Kag not Kagami. That bamboo princess. What was her fucking name? Not Yue either, because I think that's just the Chinese word and name for moon. <sighs> oh my lord, I'm totally blanking. Well, that princess. There's a Japanese princess. Who's considered kind of like a low-key lunar goddess. Uh, or a moon entity, I guess. And uh, I love her story too. I think that Ghibli Films even made a whole movie about her. I watched it. It's a pretty little film. Kind of hard to understand, but that story is kind of hard to understand. Um, I think in general. I don't I don't think that Japanese children necessarily immediately understand that story either. I don't I don't think most Japanese adults really get that story. Like so she just goes back cuz she was a criminal. So was her sentence on earth like was her punishment to fall in love and then to lose that love? Because that's pretty fucked. <laughs> Those are some really weird prison sentences, my dude. Who are we to understand the actions of lunar beings? But I'm, I'm mentioning all these lunar entities because uh, overly sarcastic productions, and Red in particular made this joke about how uh, you'll, you'll, if you define the calendar, you'll never need a boyfriend. <laughs> or you'll never need a man if you define the, the calendar. And a lot of these um, lunar goddesses are on the shirt, as depicted by Red, because you know Shanga has the lunar uh, as the lunar goddess. You know China runs on a lunar calendar, so she literally defines the calendar. Um, <laughs> there's like all these other lunar goddesses as well. There's Artemis. There's 
Oh my god, I'm completely blanking on her name. Not Kusanagi, not Kushinada. Fuck my life. Why can't I remember her name? Kaguya? Kaguya. Princess Kaguya. They're all these, like, they're considered kind of lunar entities slash lunar goddesses. Um... And they're all depicted on the shirt. And unfortunately, the shirt is like two or three sizes too small for me. <sighs> so we're trying to get into just enough shape to be able to proudly wear that shirt in public. Because I don't have any shame otherwise. Other than that, I cannot express my love of overly sarcastic productions a little more loudly. <laughs> I have the same problem with my Unisonis sweatshirt. <sighs> in any case, it's... um. Almost 3 a.m. This recording's been going on cohesively for like almost an hour. When I cut it, edit for time. I don't know how long it's going to be. Probably closer to like 45 minutes. I'm okay with that. This was a really quiet conversation because I'm not trying to disturb uh, my family who are all sleeping in their rooms, but they sometimes get up to pee. I thought at some point you would even hear that. <sighs> if there's anything you take away from this particular podcast, just know that if you've ever thought to yourself that you can't possibly matter to people, or that no one's ever going to care about you or no one cares about you, I promise you, in my heart of hearts, and at the height of my intellectual capacities, which admittedly are not that high, <laughs> but I promise this, someone cares about you, and if someone doesn't care about you right now, someone will care about you, even if it takes about a thousand years for your supposedly boring diary to get discovered or your seemingly boring corpse to get discovered, someone's going to care about you a whole awful lot. I don't necessarily mean sexually. <laughs> Though it could also be that, for all I know. Fetishes are weird. 